0: This morning I'm going to walk through a very familiar parable, parable of the good Samaritan. If you'll sit down. <laughs> Come on. School. I know, we turn you loose to fellowship and then we tell you to quit. It's not fair, (laughs) is it? So I'm going to walk through this parable and uh, we'll just take it as it comes. A lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test. And he says, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, what do you read? I asked him about the law. and uh, He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. I think when it comes to loving God, that most of my life has been spent living like a lawyer, the law side of loving God. It's been kind of of this thing of, well, he's the authority. He says, this is what I got to do, so that's what I'm going to do. And it kind of gets caught up in the, I mean, as in our association with lawyers, those who are heavy into the law and rules and duty, learning all the details and the fine print. And yet, what, what is essential in this of loving God is so much bigger than that. Love is the language and lifestyle of eternity. It's the language of heaven. It's how God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit exist and have for eternity. It's how we will live in eternity. And so what's connected to that is that if you're going to dwell in community or relationship with others, love has got to be that binding factor. Um, You know... I assume that my marriage is going to be probably the longest relationship that I have in life, you know, of closeness. And in that, you know, my grandparents—they lived uh, 71 years married. Grandpa was an Irish, uh, Irish. sorry, Grandpa, an Italian, Im- an Italian immigrant. I'm half Irish, but it's the other side. It was an Italian immigrant who um, barely learned how to read, um, always struggled with the language, was very gifted with physical labor, um, was a foreman on a railroad crew, gardened incredibly. He married a gal who was brought up in a, a little bit different home. Her father had been a choir director and a lumber grader. And she learned vast portions of Scripture and poems and uh, prolific reader. And so you have these two contrasting temperaments tied together for life. It was all beautiful all the time. No, but you have these two varied talents and giftings coming together in a way that when love is practiced, it, it Creates a greater whole. And what, even in creation, you have Adam and Eve put together and God sees Adam by himself and says, this isn't good. Every other time after he's created, and it was good. He gets to this portion of watching Adam and says, there needs to be someone for him and a helpmate. And so he creates him out of Adam creates Eve out of Adam so that there is no difference of being, but there's difference, as we all know. And what is meant to happen is that as the two unite, it's a greater life and a greater entity than what is done individually. And and so when you look at that and say, okay, love is to rule, it it doesn't always happen quite right, does it? I mean, even even after the sin, Adam's quick to throw Eve under the bus, right? The woman you gave me, she, she provided this. Brutal. But what we're to understand is that even though God calls men to lead their homes, they're also told, you're to do this like Christ. You're to be willing to die to make this thing work. You're you're to be willing to sacrifice your life to make this thing go. Another woman, uh, to to be called to submission, that's not easy, is it? But she's being told, if you're going to model Christ in the church, as the marriage is is to do, if you're to, to, to do that, you know, this, this uh, saying, I don't submit to anyone, or that, that's not going to picture that very well, is it? So we each have our difficulties <laughs> when we enter into this. But if we're going to live together for years and years and years, we've got to learn how to love, or it just doesn't work. Now, take that... In Christ in the church and that picture and put that into eternity and say, if we're created to live with each other for eons, what is going to be the thing that makes that work? It's going to be a temperament of love. And so God in His very temperament is a loving being and He knows that when He created us for community with Him, there has got to be an, a, an appreciation for love to stir relationship and, and to pull it together and hold it together. You can't function in selfishness all through life without harming others. You can't just do your own thing. As was mentioned, you know, it only goes into second generation and somebody kills someone else. But. If we're going to truly capture what what, is work, what works for community for, for eternity, we have to learn how to love. And so even what we're developing in now is, is preparation for what goes on forever. Rather than thinking of God or just saying, well, he's the boss, I guess I have to love him. We need to recognize that, you know, even in salvation, he cared enough in this life to die for us. And in some ways, even in the picture of Cain and Abel, it's like there was an innocent in the story and it doesn't turn out well for him. But God is still committed to this principle of love, whether it works well in this lifetime or not. Some of our relationships get used, right? Jesus was used, but he still makes that commitment to loving. The eternal principle is so important that even in this lifetime, whether it works out in the moment or not, is is not essential as what's compared to the eternal, knowing that if we're going to function together, if we're going to have community, if we're going to have healthy marriage, if we're going to have whatever you want to talk, whatever relationship, this thing of love is essential. And so when, when we're called to love God with heart, soul, mind, and strength,
1: you know, it's,
0: it, it takes on every facet of life, right? If I th- think of my occupation, I have to somehow put the love of God into that. If I think of my finance, I have to somehow put the love of God into that. If I think of any activity, somehow the love of God has to be connected to that. If I'm going to love him with my whole being. And yet that's how he's chosen to love. It's it's powerful. I mean, to walk through an understanding that says God is generous. Maybe you've been brought up in a home that wasn't necessarily generous. Or to say that that God is loving and initiates love, and it isn't just about following rules and duty. Maybe you weren't brought up that way, but this is a, a transformation that has to take place. To acknowledge that he is always loving. It's his temperament. He functions in generosity. Many of you know that I have this land out in Scandia that I dearly love. And I go out there and do crazy things, you know. Right now I'm breaking off popple trees. Hundreds, thousands of them, excuse me. Will it be good? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm experimenting. That was a dream of 35 years, of owning a piece of land. And one of the, the people connected with this church brought me out there one day Say, I know you like to walk in the woods. My grandma's got this property. Why don't you come out and, and just make use of it? One day I'm walking on a trail, and I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to give you this land. And I'm going, I'm probably talking to myself. (laughs) Well, I, I didn't think I'd be able to afford it. I didn't think. I was doubting the generosity of God. There wasn't, you know, it really wasn't in my paradigm. I understand discipline. I understand, you know, working in the Lord and seeing his blessing as a result of that. But to truly come to terms with generosity, it says, eh, just because I want to. That, that takes me a while to figure out. So, you know, when, when we approach this, first and foremost, let's not just treat it as a lawyer would, as a law. But let's say this is how God functions, and so we want to imitate God. We want to function like He does. We want to let love be a part of our lives. 1 Corinthians, I'll just read this. uh, Paul walks through a similar thing. He says, this is going to go on forever. And you're familiar again with this passage. It's kind, love is patient, never jealous, boastful, proud or rude isn't selfish or quick-tempered, doesn't keep a record of wrongs, rejoices in truth, supportive, loyal, hopeful, and trusting, never fails. That's what we commit ourselves to when we take on this life in the Lord. Okay, I've been slow getting to this story, but let's go. Jesus tells him, you've answered correctly, but he, desiring to justify himself, said, who is my neighbor? (laughs) One more little side trail before. (laughs) Um, This story is surrounded by two passages. One, the sending out of the 72. Um, They are sent out without any money. They're told, go present the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, all of that. And they come back celebrating. and said, even demons submitted to us. But what I want you to note is, uh, had they been into this parable, they wouldn't have had anything to give the guy. Except maybe to pray for him, to see his healing. I, I, you know, but what I'm saying is, this story is not going to apply to every setting in every way. It's the challenge of committing ourselves to others. Uh, the other side of, the, of this picture is you have the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus is at their home, and Martha's saying, make her help me. You know, she's not helping out. She's not doing her fair share. And so, again, that's kind of the other side, that works deal. You know, and, and Jesus is going, well, there's, there's better than that in this moment. So what I'm saying is this particular story doesn't settle all issues, but you have to take it as an example of saying, we need to reach outside of our normal boundaries and our own selfishness and be willing to share love with others, okay? So now you know the principle, why bother with it, I don't know, <laughs> that's what we do. Um, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among robbers. They stripped him, beat him, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So, likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. That's the professionals. IR1. <laughs> Let the pastor do it uh, in some ways that's that can be you as well if you're going, Well, I gave it church, or all my time's committed to the church. I don't have time for others. You know it'd be easy to just kind of walk away and say, well <laughs> you know i I'd, I'd love to help this guy out, but uh i you know our tithe is committed, our offerings are committed, our time is committed, nothing else to do. And yet there's this push, even Jesus saying, well, there's more to life than just church activity and church money, right? So anyway, two pass by. And it says the Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and he saw him, he had compassion. Um, the Samaritans were a people group that after Israel had been hauled off into captivity, the poorest of the land were left there. And then the conquering nation brought in others to resettle. And so there was an intermingling of the races. And that's what made the Israelites extremely angry over the whole thing. So it truly was a mixed race group that they're upset with. And so Jesus plucks out this illustration of a person that um, you know, the people that he was talking to would have been offended by. But he says what's key here is that this man sees the situation and it grieves him. There's a compassion that comes out of him and says, I've got to do something. So he bound up his wounds, poured on oil and wine, took care of him. I was looking at that and going, this man stepped into a potentially dangerous situation, right? I mean, who knows, but this guy could have been left so that if somebody goes to have compassion, that they would rob him as well. Or there's been scams where a person acts wounded and then Ends up robbing another. But just stopping could have been dangerous in this story. So, is danger a sole reason not to step into service for the Lord? The other thing is, this is going to require time. And again, there's that thing of, well... Maybe they were heading to church events and they didn't have time. Or maybe they were, you know, they're all booked up. But this may cause inconvenience. When the Lord prompts our hearts and says, I want you to do something here. Thirdly, of course, there, there is a financial investment where he's taking of his own goods and then he's taking them to an end, paying the bill and saying, if there's more, I'll pay it when I come back but all of that is to to bring us to this awareness that loving neighbor requires us reaching out and doing things that go beyond our selfishness. So in this loving God and loving others, the person really not mentioned is that, well, we tend to be selfish and take care of ourselves. And you can walk through a number of maladies that that you know, would cause us not to respond in such a situation. Maybe fear is one of those things where we're going, I don't want to have to, to, to take a chance here. And in that regard, maybe God wants to help us conquer our fears. Or maybe it's a thing of pride of going, you know what, I, I, have, I have enough for myself, and I would rather see more come to me you know, thank God I'm not in that situation. It's just a shutting a door. And no, I don't want any association with the wounded and despised and, and the ill. What if it is just a thing of selfishness? And God calls us to step away from that. Sometimes laziness kicks in. You just don't want to do anything. This is my chill time. That's so easy in the household, right? For us guys in particular, you work all day and come home. Hey, it's time to put my feet up a bit. Maybe even read a book. And the kids are running all over, and you're going, can't you shut them up? <laughs> and she's going, I've been working all day. <laughs> Maybe I'll take a club to you. <laughs> you know. It, uh, but it's just that, you know, to, to step into loving action, I mean, if we're going to talk 60, 70 years together, It requires some investment today. Bless you, Mama. (laughs) Lord, help us to not just think of this story when we're driving and see a car broken down. That's just, it's just the illustration. The principle is that we are to be a loving people. And so that's to invade every relationship and every part of life. So just, again, summarizing. Love is the eternal language and lifestyle. And God doesn't call it to us just because he's Wanting us to adore him, but rather he functions in that. And he wants us to step into function like he does. Because it's the glue that's going to hold us together for eternity. It's the cohesive force of community. It's the thing that bonds relationship and keeps them together. And so all he's doing is he's calling us to live like he lives. He's calling us to to imitate him. The will of God might include danger, inconvenience, or significant cost, but it's still worth the investment in this life. Praise to the Lord. Father, we pray that as we've looked at these things, that you will stir our hearts as to your desires for us. Lord, I pray that you'll give us wisdom as to where you want us to be, what you want us to do.
1: Not to look at every
0: single situation and say, I need to do something today but rather to look and say, what's your heart in this and what do you desire of me? Guide our steps, we ask. On Friday, um, we're gonna have a men's breakfast and prayer, uh, meeting at 6.30. A couple times back, I got trapped into sharing um, something God's been doing in me over the past year or so, I've been praying that God would show me how to be a better husband. And uh, he keeps giving me things. And I don't necessarily want to do them. Uh, and it's ridiculous. I, our kitchen cupboards needed handles for a long time. Long. It only took me three months to respond. But I'd admitted it, so I had to do it. Um, and then I get done with that, and I'm, there's another thing in mind that that's what I knew was gonna happen, you know? And why do one? Because there's gonna be another one. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it it's this thing of do you want to do it well or not? And if you do, then ask him. And he shares. And explains you know what what's valuable now the girl puts up with a lot so I mean, it's a blessing to me but it also takes us beyond that selfish edge you know and, and helps us develop the language of heaven you know, and we we we're practicing it now, getting ready for what's ahead. And we, if we can catch the big picture, then we start to put it out into the day-to-day, right? Because that's where it's played out. So anyway, I ask. He'll tell you what to do. I want to pray for God's blessing on you and, and what remains, of course, is open-ended worship. I grieve that I don't know all of you. It, I, I mean, it's a tremendous blessing to have you here and to, to see faces that I don't recognize. But um, let's do our best to at least get introduced. And uh, The meal downstairs is a good time to to connect. But, you know, that's... We're built around relationship. That's what we're called to. That's why this principle is so important. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy your love and generosity. I ask, the Lord, as they go out into the community that you'll give them words of life and speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to love as your kingdom goes forward. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.